Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will speak about the goodness of God and creation. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from yesterday's message. It's vitally important that we, that we learn about God. And so because we are his children, we don't want to just to learn about him so we can understand because we want to be like him. In God, we live, we move, we have our being. You know, like the hymn says, Jesus is all the world to me, my joy, my light, my life, my joy, my all, everything. This book is where we find, in the book of Leviticus, is where we find all these verses about being holy. What does that tell you about the book of Leviticus? It tells you it's a book on the holiness of God and how we can be holy. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's study. Do, 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 do. And when you, when you, and keep doing, because you, you never, you never have doing enough. So do. That's the religions of the world. What is the, what is the religion of the Bible? Done. Done. It's done. Our part, simply believe what was done. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, the do part, oh, that seems right. That seems right. I think that's pretty good. That's what the Bible calls the way that seems right unto a man in Proverbs 14, 12. That's the way that seems right, but it's a disaster course. There's a cliff at the end. The end thereof are the ways of death. Now, that's kind of hard on man's pride to not do anything. You know, after Adam sinned and he ruined it all, you know, Adam says, I can fix it, I can fix it, I can fix it. You know, he says, I, 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 says, I, I got some really good works. You haven't seen anything yet, God. Let me, let me become really religious. And God says to Adam, I think you've done about enough. <laughs> Please, don't do anything more. Just sit down and let me fix it. I will fix it. And you know what the cross is? That's where God fixed it. God fixed it at the cross. God fixed what man broke. Someone said at the cross, that's the place where God put the fruit back on the tree that man took. Not exactly, but anyway. Anyway, so that's a wrong prayer to make us holy by good works. God makes us holy by the sacrifice. God makes us holy by the cross. God makes us holy by what he did, teaching Leviticus. Now here, we learn from verse 1, and again, now so what we're doing? Milking out Genesis, learning everything we can about God. We find in verse 1, God's creative. God's a creative God. He loves to create. Isn't that something? God loves to create. He has, he, 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 he's commissioned us, as, as we've seen, to reach the lost. And he loves it when we have new creative ways to reach the lost. New creative ways to try to... To, to break the impenetrable wall of unbelief. That, God loves that. He says in Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I do a new thing. That's God says that. And now it shall spring forth. So shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's God. We see in verse 1. He's a God who creates and he loves creativity. Now from verse 2, we saw that God cares God hovers. We covered that in the past. He's a hovering God. From verse 3, we saw last week, God speaks. 
God loves to speak. He loves to reveal himself. He loves to teach us about himself. We know God because he speaks, because he has chosen to reveal himself. What more can we learn about God? Well, look in, in, uh, in uh, I want you to look here. We've read this chapter. Now you tell me, in this chapter, where are all the places where God said, let there or be or let something like that? Okay, where's the first one? Three. Okay, let there be light. There was light. Number one, three. Six. Six. Number two, let there be a ferment. God made the ferment. Verse seven, okay. Nine, Nine, let the waters be gathered together. It was so. Eleven, let the earth bring forth grass. It was so. Fourteen, let there be lights in the sky. It was so. Twenty, let the waters bring forth. God created the whales, the living creature. Twenty-four, Let the earth bring forth, it was so. And then to verse 25, God made the beast. And verse 26, the last one, let us make man. And so God created man. Now, what do you see as a pattern here for how this creation took place? What do you see in these verses as a pattern? There was some, okay, what what do you see God doing first? Okay, he spoke, he spoke, he he spoke his mind, right? He spoke his mind. And first thing he did, one of the things you see here is God evaluated the situation and he assessed the need or the problems. There's one place in here where he actually, as you said, was that he speaks his mind in his assessment. Where's that? And he, he speaks his assessment about the problem or the need. Verse 2, he looks, at, he looks at the earth and what does he say about it? Yeah, he says, he says there's a problem here. There's a problem. How many problems did God identify in verse 2? Without form, void, and darkness. Three problems. He says it's without form it's, or order, or it's a waste place. Another, place. another rendering of this word could be it has no value. He says the earth has no value in its current. It's very interesting that God would view the earth as having no value at this point. Why did it have no value? Because of the second problem. It was empty. It was void. And it's another question now. Tell me all the times when God said it was good. For, after, he made what? Light. And then he signed it off. Said it was good. Okay? Why? Because he was finished making the light. Okay? What's the next time? Ten, it was good. Okay, after he made what? The dry land. The dry land. And the seas too, but the dry land. Okay. And then he signed it off. Says it's good. Because he, Why? Because he finished making the dry land. He was finished. Okay? Twelve. After he made what? The plants, right? Vegetation. After he made vegetation, he, he signed it off, said it was good. Why? Because he finished making the vegetation. That's, by the way, why he put the seed inside the fruit. So that, so that when we want an orange, we don't have to say, God, create another orange tree with oranges on it. He said, because he created the seed. So now... He, and then when we say that, he says, take the seed and plant it. Uh, next one, verse 18. Verse 18, he said it was good after he made what? The, 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 the stellar lights, the lights in space, moon and sun and the stars. Okay, but why did he sign it off as being good? He was finished. He was finished with making the stellar lights. Moved on. Next one, 21, after he made what? Sea creatures and birds, right? Sea creatures and birds. He said, and, he, and he signed it off. It was good. Why? Because he finished making the sea creatures and the birds. Okay, next one. Verse 25, after he made what? 
the land animals, the land animals, because, signed it off because he was finished making the land animals. You see the pattern? So, here's the question. After verses 1 and 2, when God made the earth, why didn't he say that was good? He wasn't done with it yet. He didn't sign it off as being good because he wasn't done with it. In stark contrast to all the things we've seen it. Why, is, why was he not done? Because of the problems. Because the problems, the three problems which are stated, it was without form, it didn't have any value, it was void, it was darkness. Now, which of those three problems did God solve right away? Darkness problem. He solved the darkness problem right away by creating the light, and when he created the light, he signed off on the light. He said he saw the light, it was good, but he didn't sign off on the earth because there were two problems that still remained, right? Two problems were not solved yet. He wasn't finished yet. So God, so the heavens and the earth still had no value in God's eyes. They were without order. They, they, they were empty because they were empty. So he didn't sign them off. He wasn't satisfied. This is something we've got to learn about God. He wasn't satisfied yet. He was hovering over it. What, uh, what do we learn about God from this statement that he found the earth at this stage to be empty of life? And that was a huge problem. What do we learn about God? God, what? He loves life. He loves life. We have a God who loves life. We want to be like God? We must love life. God loves life. We must love life to be like God. His creation is, here's something else, His creation is beautiful. Is there anything that God does? It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. I mean, the vegetation, the seed, everything is beautiful. You know, my friend yesterday, John, he flew from San Diego, his wife is a pilot, and they went over to Sacramento. And as he flew over those um, mountains, the Sierra Madres, and he saw the snow caps on those mountains, he thought to himself, he said, that's really good of God. Because he put like a water dispenser on the top of those mountains. And then he put a mechanism there so that when you need it the most, the dispenser opens up the most. Ever thought about that? When it gets really hot, what happens to the snow? It melts. And then what happens for as far as the streams and the rivers go? You got a lot of water. You need a lot of water. Plants, animals, us. So I'll just put this arrowhead spring (laughs) cooler on the top of these mountains and I'll do better than making a thermostat. (laughs) I'll have it built in so when it gets hot, the water comes flowing out. Isn't that beautiful? That's wonderful. The way everything he did was beautiful and wonderful, but he wasn't satisfied. He wasn't satisfied with the beauty of all that. Why? Because he wasn't happy to enjoy it himself. He wasn't happy to enjoy it himself. He wanted someone to share it with. God, God wanted someone to shower gifts on. He wanted someone to give these things to. What's that tell us about God? God is a He's a giver. God's a giver. He's not alone. He's not a loner. He's a giver. He's a giver. You know, we're trying to get close to God, right? We want to get so close to God we can smell his breath, you know? Like John, put his head on his head, hear the heartbeat. We're trying to get close to God. So we're trying to look at these things and see what can we learn about God. God is a giver. So finally, after he made man, then what did he say in verse 31? It was very good. And God saw what? Everything. 
that he had made. And behold, it was very good. He saw everything. Is the earth and the heavens included in everything God made? Yeah, so finally, poor earth and heavens got their sign off. They got signed off as being good because now man was on the earth that God had finished. Now God could shower gifts on man. And that teaches, and, and so therefore now it's all very good. It's all very good. That's God. He's a giver. Look at Deuteronomy 6, please. Deuteronomy 6, going along with this, 6, verse 10 and 11. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee. Why does God want to do that? Because God's a giver. Great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not. He's going to give them what they didn't build. <laughs> they didn't work for it. But God says, I'm going to give it to you. And, he's, and houses full of good things. You know, they could have said, does all this furniture come with this house? Is this furnished? <laughs> God says, it's furnished. Even food is in there. Everything is in there, fully furnished, which thou fillest not. And wells digged. <laughs> you didn't dig them. Which thou diggest not. And uh, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. That's God. That's what he loves to do, is to give, give, give. Now, I'll turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 18. God owns everything. He, he owns everything. Everything, it says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, everything is on it. Okay? He, 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 you can sell land, but you can't sell it away from God. God still owns the land, so get used to it. You may have a 99-year lease, I don't know. You, it's God's. It's all God's. And that's what this is saying in 2 Corinthians 5.18. All things are of God. All things come from God. Who has reconciled us to himself? He made us friends by Jesus Christ, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, if, this, if that wasn't good enough for us, he says, and now you know what he's done? He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We didn't deserve that. We didn't do it. The Lord Jesus Christ did it on the cross. But he said, as, and in the next service, when we go to break bread, we're going to remember that. We're going to think about that, the cross. And at the cross, God wrapped up this wonderful gift, wonderful present of reconciliation. And he not only gave it to us, I don't like this analogy, but I'll say it anyways. He made us Santa Claus. <laughs> he says, now you go around and give this gift. That's it. He says, and, and uh, I'm just going to quote this verse, 1 John 5, 11, this is the record God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Tom, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, you said that it was God who reconciled us to himself. But so many people think that they have to build a ladder to heaven. What would you say to those people? Well, it, it's so difficult to really grasp that it, God took the absolute, complete initiative in reconciling us to himself. Why is it so hard? Because our pride, our pride wants to say, no, 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 no. We're going to go fix this. We're going to go make the relationship right. We're going to go and impress God. And it's very, very hard for us to recognize that we broke the relationship through our own sins, through our own foolishness. 
And it's very difficult for us to just sit there and, and, and let God do his work. But it was God. You know, the most famous verse in the Bible in John 3.16 really is a, is a verse that if you stand back and you look at it, you say, that's a verse that says God took the initiative. That's a God-initiative verse. When it said, because when you look at that verse, you say, you, you look at it and say, God so loved the world that he, that God gave his only begotten son. So whoever just believed, just believes, believes in him, in him. In other words, what God did shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. It's very, very important to see when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in essence saying, I agree with you, God. I'm not trying to, to, to change your will. I agree with you completely that you want me to be reconciled with you. I want to be reconciled with you. You sent your son to die on a cross as the ultimate act of your initiative and desire to be reconciled. And so I just come and I say, I receive your initiative to reconcile me, which is the gift of your son on the cross for my sins. And that is my life first, John three sixteen, and it's powerful. But can you explain to some of our listeners, how did God reconcile us to himself? Give us some more detail on that. Well, when you look at the cross, our first inclination when we look at something like the cross is to turn away and say, oh, how horrible, how terrible, Uh, slaughterhouse religion. Let's not talk about this. This is absolutely over the top. We got to be more civilized than this and to just ignore it. But do you know that when we ignore the cross, that we walk away from what God, the greatest work that God did, much greater than the creation itself, because it's at the cross that God reconciled us to himself. That's the place where the mercy of God came out, where the righteousness of God was fulfilled, where the wrath of God fell on his own son, so that grace and mercy and every blessing that we know can come flowing right out of the cross. The cross is absolutely vital. That's the place where God reconciled us to himself, and that's how God reconciled us to himself. We could say, how did he do it? The cross. Where did he do it? The cross. When did he do it? at the time of the cross. For how long will it last? Forever. Because it's the cross is just that important. That's why that great hymn says to the old rugged cross, I'll forever be true. We cling to the cross. We look at the cross. We pray, we, we pray Lord, lead me to Calvary. Take me back to the place where you died, so that I'll never, ever leave, Lord, the place of your greatest love poured out for man. It's at the cross. So the question is, how did God reconcile us to himself? Colossians 1.20 answers the question beautifully. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Peace through the blood of his cross. By him, by who? The Lord Jesus Christ on a cross. 
he reconciles all things unto himself. Peace through the blood. Peace through the blood of his cross. And how has he given us the ministry of reconciliation as it's explained in that verse? I mean, how are we really supposed to do this? Well, that's an amazing thing, too. I mean, the greatest work that God's ever done, and then he turns to us and he says, now I'm giving you the privilege, the honor, and the responsibility to make this happen on the earth. In other words, a ministry of reconciliation. Make it occur. Well, you know, it says in in, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. See, it's different because in the other verse, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation. But here it's talking about we have been given the word of of reconciliation. The Bible is called the Word of God. We can also call the Bible the Word of Reconciliation, because right in the beginning of the Bible, when man falls, God cries out, Adam, where art thou? And the whole rest of the Bible is God seeking man. That's reconciliation. So what is written in the Bible is the word of reconciliation. So when it says that he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation, it means he's committed unto us the Bible as a means for man to come and be reconciled with God. And so we, for example, we open the scriptures and we show the lost. Let me show you here. This is a God of love. This is a God who loves you and who's seeking you. This is a God who's holding out his arms to you and saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is a God to keep. This is a God to love forever. This is a God to cling to. And so as we do this and then we show our sins cause death, the wages of sin is death, and we show And God has a substitutionary way of escape. He has set up so that all of our sins and our trespasses were laid on him, the ultimate Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. On him, all of our trespasses and sins were laid. He carried them all to the cross, on the cross there. He bore them all. And he was judged for them all on the cross so that now our debts have been paid. All that has has caused us to be aliens from God has been dealt with at the cross. If we turn to the cross and we say, the Lamb of God on the cross is my Lamb of God. If we do that, then God says, then you are my child And so as we explain all this to the lost, this is how we are faithful and responsible to God in the ministry of reconciliation because we are faithfully handling and giving out the word of reconciliation. And that's what the Bible is. So God has called us, use the Bible, use his word 
as the word of reconciliation to bring this word of reconciliation to those who need to be reconciled, who are the lost and who need God. That's our responsibility, and that's how God has enabled us to fulfill that responsibility. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor continues our study from Genesis. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? You can reach them by calling us at 1-800-247-3051, and we can help you to get a gospel gift into their hands. You can also call us and get a copy of today's broadcast. And today's messages and previous messages are available for free listening or free to download from our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. And there you can learn more about Tom Cantor and study more about the friendship of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can also not only find us on our websites, but you can find Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor on Facebook. And there you'll receive a daily verse devotional from Tom Cantor. You can also contact Tom Cantor by sending an email to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. And we'd like to hear more from you and what you like about Friendship with God. So again, send Tom Cantor an email to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. And you can also call us at 1-800-247-3051 and give us feedback again on what you like about Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio ministry program. Or again, we can send you resources, materials, supplies, or gospel gifts to Jewish people. So call us again today at 1-800-247-3051 so that we can help you get the gospel to the lost Jewish nation of people. Thank you again for joining us today, and join us again tomorrow at this same time. 